0: Today on the Grid Snap Podcast, attack everything that moves. All right, welcome to the Grid Snap Podcast Mini Episode 1. These are shorter conversations, in theory anyway, than the normal podcast that we're doing. And today it's me, Rob Howard, Senior World Designer. Uh, Kip Carbone is sitting this one out, but he'll be back to talk about Uncharted 4 uh, in our next regular podcast. But I am here today with a good friend of mine, Patrick, who I call Mr. Muso. Uh, what is Muso? If you don't know, that's a genre of game. That's uh, Dynasty Warriors, Samurai Warriors. And I thought to do this podcast because last week on the Nintendo Switch, Fire Emblem Warriors came out and I started to play it. So I wanted to do a mini podcast about that game and talk about uh, kind of what that game's about, what I think of its level design and game design. But I wanted someone on the show that actually plays a lot of these. I've played a few of them, but not tons. And so I thought it'd be cool to have a guest today. So Patrick, just tell us a little bit about yourself well my name is Patrick
1: I've played a lot of Musou games I've played a lot of other games too but I guess my experience at Musou is highly unusual so that's why I'm here um, uh, so I guess I'll go back uh, do you, are you looking for my whole history or what are you looking anything
0: for anything that might be interesting uh, to our listeners like well first of all I mean I think that one thing you said, before is is about you've obviously you're a you're a connoisseur of games period so like what what are the kind of games you like to play even other than musou games for that matter
1: so yeah uh, so i enjoy musou games i enjoy shooters and by that i don't mean first person shooters i mean shmups i enjoy RPG shoot-em-ups for the audience dungeon. at home <laughs> sorry, Go ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> shooters. It's shooters. The shoot 'em up is something that people came up with, too. Whatever. Anyway, moving on. Uh, I enjoy RPGs, especially dungeon crawlers. I'm enjoying the trends that we're seeing lately, especially on the Vita with some of Experiences' games, such as Demon Gaze and Stranger of Sword City coming out. I like those quite a bit. Um, Fan of 3D action games, uh, uh, Bayonetta, Nier Automata, my Platinum, those are also my bread and butter. Many different things I play, just not sports games.
0: Yeah, and you know, you might be getting a sense listening to uh, Patrick's kind of list of of favorite games and, and things he likes to play that uh, a lot of Japanese stuff, and that's one thing I have in common uh, with with Patrick. Although uh, Patrick's played and I'm sure imported many more things uh, than than I have, but uh, you know, that is something we we definitely have uh, we definitely have in common. Uh, so, uh, I, thank you for first of all, you're, you're sort of the first. There's a couple of firsts here. You're the first guest that we've ever had on on this show, so I, I think feel you so honored, and you should be. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, and uh, also, thank you for uh, being the first one to do a Skype, or actually, we're using Discord, uh, doing a remote uh, interview of this sort or a, a remote chat. So kind of getting uh, poor Patrick had to sit there where he's from, which is somewhere far off, probably on another planet, actually. Uh, I think it was some galaxy that you said you're from. Uh, so, well,
1: well, well, really, I'm sitting in your basement, so I don't understand why we're doing this over Discord. <laughs> but that's
0: right. Yes, that's right. You're I, in know, basement,
1: I know. I yes. know that you wanted to get this up and running, so.
0: Everyone that's listening in the Bay Area is laughing at the idea of me having a basement. Uh, you know, just, right? <laughs> uh, just actually having that, that amount of square footage. But but yeah, like Patrick had to wait and while I kind of figured out how to actually get this to work. Um, and also just with the timing and everything. This is from my home, so I have to make sure that it's like a quiet time and all the rest of it. So thank you. And it's also like a weird time zone for you. So many, many thanks. <music> get into the topic of of today's uh, podcast a little bit. Uh, So yeah, Fire Emblem Warriors. So this is a part of a long-running series of Musou games using popular intellectual property that started with Hyrule Warriors on the Nintendo Wii and 3DS. Of course, this is Tecmo Koei, that company uh, that has a long-running history with games like this. Uh, They continued this with Dragon Quest Heroes and have seen, uh, I believe that correct me if I'm wrong, Patrick, but I think that this has grown the Muso genre, that uh, Hyrule Warriors, uh, Dragon Quest Heroes, and now Fire Emblem Warriors has grown uh, the genre, made it maybe a little more well-known. Would you say that's true?
1: Oh, uh, especially in the case of Hyrule Warriors, I'm sure that it's made it uh, more well-known. Uh, the Wii U didn't exactly have a lot of Hot titles at the time Hyrule Warriors was released At a very opportune month At least for Koei Tecmo It was very opportune month It sold more than any other Musso had ever sold in the West So in terms of exposure To the Western audience It certainly had a pretty strong Influence um, In terms of Other Muso games Probably not so much
0: Right, right so anyway, yeah. Continuing on, uh, so uh, kind of what Fire Emblem Warriors is about specifically, and why I kind of find it interesting, is that, uh, and also I found this to be true with uh, Hyrule Warriors as well, is the way they kind of try to pull things from the IPs they're working with. So you know, it's not just a straight VUso game. They'll try to put in uh, elements from the games they're they're kind of pulling from. And in the case of Fire Emblem Warriors. Uh, there's the uh, support system uh, for those that are familiar with Fire Emblem, the regular Fire Emblem games. There's this idea of of support conversations. Uh, we might sort of lightheartedly refer to them as the this as the uh, dating sim aspect of of those games, where you have two of your fighters next to each other, and if they do attacks while next to each other, they build kind of affinity towards each other, and then that gives uh, what what are called support conversations, which then in turn give you give you stat buffs basically in combat and Fire Emblem Warriors implements this uh, and also it implements uh, certain aspects of leveling up that seem reminiscent of Fire Emblem games and yeah so far so good having a blast playing it so um, one thing I wanted to do is go into a little bit too of the history of uh, Musou games so uh, I'll just say for me My first Musou game isn't really that long ago, although it's funny, you know how when you get older, time goes by. I remember you, Patrick, were the one that I asked, I believe, hey, I want to try these games, which one should I try? And I believe you recommended uh, Sengoku Basara uh, for the PS3. Uh, I think it was like the third game of that series. I think it might have started on the PSP and got an HD uh, upgrade or something like that. Uh, And that was my introduction uh, to that genre, and I did enjoy it quite a bit uh but you started much earlier did you not
1: oh absolutely and uh before i go into that though just something you said that i thought was uh, gave me a funny thought the whole uh, support aspect in the fire emblem games the dating sim if they actually made a fire emblem where you could go on a date in the middle of a battle, I would, that would be my favorite series ever. I mean, I'm a shining force guy, but if you could actually go on a date in the middle of a, a battle with fires ravaging the countryside around you, I would be there.
0: Yeah, so. no, I, I have to agree. I think that would be I think that would be an awesome uh, awesome addition to the to the series. You know, I'm always uh, I'm all about like when I play the, the Yakuza games, for instance, which I I dearly love. There's there's something about the kind of uh you know kind of throwing I want to say throwing caution to the wind, but that's not really the right way, right way to say it it's It's sort of like having these um, kind of kind of strange brew elements uh, I'll say uh, in in certain games, especially games from japan that I, I just I just adore and yeah that that would be pretty awesome absolutely. so
1: to your question, all right, so that's a pretty old tale. so way back in the day. The PS2 was king, and there was this other console called the Xbox. Dun-dun-dun. Crowd. So I had one of those, and I had a huge backlog of unplayed games. One night, it was more than one night, actually. All week I had been sick. I had been having fever dreams about birds pecking my flesh. That (laughs) sounds like I'm making it up. It's true. I was so miserable, so sick and so miserable. I didn't want to sleep. I randomly grabbed Dynasty Warriors 3 off the shelf. What I didn't know at the time was that this is the kind of game that you can sink 100 hours into. So that game, and I've come to realize it was one of the better episodes in the whole series, but Dynasty Warriors 3, it had such a profound effect and it kept me from sleeping,
0: which was good.
1: (laughs) So maybe it's because I was delirious, but the blend of hack-em-up action and missions, like rescuing a chum on a burning boat, that really kept me captivated for hours on end, and really, I credit Dynasty Warriors uh, with giving me a good memory from one of the worst weeks of my life. I might not be here today if it hadn't been for Guan Yu.
0: <laughs> hey, that's an awesome kind of origin story for you in the genre. I think one of the things I love about being in the video game industry and making games is that people do that with games. You know, they they get a game and they kind of. Marry it to the era of their life that they're in. So whatever they're doing at the time, if especially if they really really like the game and it makes an emotional impact on them, it, it invariably kind of melds with what they were doing. And it kind of reminds me a little bit—not to go a little bit off topic—but I think it's okay. This is uh, Grid Snap Mini, or it's a little more casual. Uh, I felt that way about Castlevania Symphony of the Night when I was in high school because. That was when my hometown in northwest Ohio had a a terrible snowstorm and we were just sort of locked in for weeks and weeks and, and we were uh you know just bored out of our minds. So we we drove to the mall in a snow emergency, which is a really stupid thing to do. My parents didn't know didn't know that I was doing that at the time. And and we Rebel. went to the mall and we bought uh, Symphony of the Night and I just played the heck out of that and, and so you know I have a lot of pleasant memories of, of that game. Uh, kind of for a similar reason, kind of a uh, uncomfortable kind of scenario uh, where I, I get a cool game and it kind of helps get me through it. So, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a really cool story. One thing you brought up about the fact you started of Dynasty Warriors 3 that kind of dovetails into the show research I was doing today is that uh, most people probably assume, cool, you know, Dynasty Warriors 2, Dynasty Warriors 1. Yeah, it started at Dynasty Warriors 1, but I was super shocked to discover that was a one-on-one fighting game. The Dynasty Warriors One is actually a completely different genre of the game than Dynasty Warriors Two, which I had no idea. Did you play Dynasty Warriors One?
1: Did play Dynasty Warriors One.
0: Um, I don't have a lot
1: of memories about it. Uh, about it, other than in one of the cutscenes, uh Zha Ho Dun or. I don't even know the right way to pronounce his name. I don't really like the character, but he's shot in the eye with an arrow and he pulls out the arrow and eats his own eyeball. <laughs> now the thing, now the thing that's really cool about that is that starting with Dynasty Warriors 2, that character has an eye patch.
0: Nice. Just like, uh, I guess we're going into spoilers here. Spo- spoilers, but kind of like in uh, Metal Gear Solid 3, the origin of why uh, Big Boss do- yeah, doesn't have the one eye. Kind of a similar similar thing uh, uh, going on there. But uh, uh, cool. So, yeah, so Dynasty Warriors 1, not even a Musou game. And uh, really that starts with Dynasty Warriors 2. And from a game design perspective, uh, really what's interesting about that is how it's kind of a g- outgrowth of brawling game so you kind of had this idea of kind of the treadmill brawlers where you know you're going from side to side and you know the little icon pops up keep going whether it's uh, Final Fight or Streets of Rage and so you eventually get to this point where you could freely move in a three-dimensional environment um, and combine that with the idea of sort of you're super powerful you're mowing down lots and lots of enemies and uh, one of the things I find interesting about it from a game design level design perspective is that you know most games kind of believe in a intensity curve with peaks and valleys and and so what I mean by that is uh, there'll be some action and then there'll be a period of rest and then more action and rest and kind of the prevailing thought and certainly what you know if someone were asking me how do you make a good action game level uh, someone who actually makes action game levels for a living I would tell you that you wouldn't want, all action all the time constantly it would wear you out but in Muso games that's exactly what they do uh, and they do it with this sort of uh, kind of constant low thrum of tension like a lot of times you're not in danger at least when I have played these games most of the time you're not close to dying a lot but you, you're kind of always engaged and then at least in the in the Muso games I've played and in Patrick this is why I wanted you on you can tell me if they were always like this or if uh, this is a more recent development, they kind of throw objectives at you, and you can fail the mission or the battle through these objectives, so not even through character death. And, for instance, you would say, go save the villager in this fort, and if you don't make it over there and, and mow down the enemies there, then you lose the mission. And it's that kind of stuff that creates that, Tension, even though you're kind of always fighting. Has that always kind of been an aspect of Musou games?
1: And it's interesting that you bring that up, because that's one of the things that made Dynasty Warriors 3 stand out, because it had objectives during the missions. It had a lot of objectives during the missions. They were often difficult objectives. Uh, I would actually fail missions trying to accomplish the objective, because I'd just be like, oh ho ho ho, I'm going to cut down <laughs> these these villains with my green dragon crescent blade! And I'd be just slaughtering away, and then I would realize, oh, I took too long, I failed my mission, I was supposed to go run across the map to help this person set his, uh, set up the spirit altar. And, uh, It had a lot of missions, and then Musos kind of gone away from that for a while, and either the missions were straightforward that you would find along your path so they didn't need you to diverge, or they would go the route, for example, Dynasty Warriors Gundam, where instead of missions, there are territories that you need to control and take over, but it didn't matter so much which territories you took. So, way, and this has started to come back more recently, that aspect uh, faded from the forefront, but it's definitely coming back, especially you had brought up Hyrule Warriors as an example. That's another one where many of the missions, you have to go in a particular place, and you have to be quick about it, or else Zelda is going to get off. To-
0: yeah, yeah, I'm really glad that you answered that because I, I think it's easy for me to take for granted because my Musou experience is Hyrule Warriors, Fire Emblem Warriors, and Sengoku Basara, and w- with the latter, it's been a few years. Actually, it's been seven years, if you can believe it, since I asked uh, asked you, like, hey, what's a cool Musou game to try? Uh, you know, it's kind of, I thought it was like last week, right? And it's like seven years ago, <laughs> right? And uh, yeah, and I don't quite remember how that one handled that. I remember... Uh, more boss fights than I recall being in Hyrule Warriors in Sengoku Basara, and maybe that's how they try to dro- uh, drive in. the tension. Uh, but I think that's really important, because if you're going to have constant action, you, you know, you're always going to have the player engaged in at least low-level intensity. Right. You need tension from somewhere, and and I think that those objectives do a great job of providing it.
1: i probably tell you that Sengoku Basara is not actually a Mousso game. What? It is made by Capcom, so it is similar to a Musou game, it's Capcom's take on Musou's, but that's why that one feels different, it's from a different developer, because you've got games like Sengoku Basra, Ikusagami, you've got the almighty Chaos Legion. All great games, different from each other. The Musou games tend to be lighter on tactics when you're fighting, it's lighter on tactics, heavier on crowd control. Um, hmm. Although, as we've talked about, uh, there are the missions, and recently, especially with High Rule Warriors, has put a few twists on the genre, like with the inventive bosses in High Rule Warriors.
0: Now, that's that's super cool because, again, this is why I really wanted to talk to a connoisseur because, you know, to the layperson, and when it comes to th- this genre, that's definitely what I am. Uh, you know, I'm going to look at Sengoku Bassar. Go well, yeah. That, that's a Musou game because you're fighting tons and tons of enemies on the screen, and and you're sort of doing a lot of the same type of things. But you've pointed out some really interesting differences. Uh, so that's that. That's really great. Uh, so what I wanted to do with this is I wanted to ask you uh, some specific questions about uh, Muso games uh, and and what you like about them. And so let's get into that. So uh, you've you've probably touched on some of this already, but that's all right. Uh, What exactly kind of attracts you to this genre in particular versus, like, other genres?
1: So you talked about this a bit before, but I was a big fan of beat-em-ups on the Sega Genesis. Right. Um, I uh, enjoy going into a battlefield. I enjoy seeing a lot of enemies, and I enjoy cutting them down. When playing a Musou, there's no question that you're playing a game blade cutting flesh that's where it's at
0: what are some of the positive changes and again you've touched on this as well but just to kind of get it concentrated in, in one response so uh, what are some positive changes or developments in the Muso genre as a result of hyrule warriors and some of the other games that have come out recently
1: that's a very good question and you're going to be disappointed in the answer <laughs> um, In terms of changes in the musou genre, I'm sad to say, but none. None at all. You won't find the awesome mission map, you won't find the same kind of skill tree, you won't find the level of inventive mini-bosses in other musous. I'm not saying that as a strike, I'm not saying that to say Hyrule Warriors number one, all others suck. No, I'm not saying that. It's just how Koei operates. Every series has its own approach that is refined from one episode to the next, Uh, but from one series of Musou to a different series, the influences aren't blatant enough to say this feature came from that other game. I mean, you you could say that Fist of the North Star Musou had a skill tree, High rule warriors, but it was handled so differently that I wouldn't say it influenced High rule warriors. That's just two different games that have a skill tree. Right, right. If, you, yeah, if, if, you're interested in shared concepts across musos, though, the one from High rule warriors that stands out the most is the idea of reclaiming territories. This was a prominent feature starting with the first Dynasty Warriors Gundam, and it has been used in a lot of others like One Piece 2 and Warriors All-Stars. They each take their own twist on it, uh, but that's a theme that you will see in a lot of the more recent musos. Personally, I'd say Hyrule Warriors probably handled that concept best because it felt like a battlefield with ebb and flow. The other few games that I just mentioned a lot of them it's just basically like walking into an arena kill everything there Uh aha you own the territory move on to the next
0: right right It really kind of reminds me a little bit of, it's kind of funny, it, it, since I'm at home, I'm just going to say, I'm like, uh, if you hear sounds, it is one of my cats stepping on boxes, getting to her favorite perch <laughs> right now. Uh, this is the the, the kind of uh, trials of being a home podcaster. Um, but anyway, like hearing you talk about this reminds me of... When I talk to people about jazz, except that they, they probably find Muso's a lot more interesting than jazz, alas, <laughs> because like uh, people will say you know, to the someone who's not used to jazz, right? Like uh, like hard bop jazz uh, might sound exactly the same as bebop jazz, but I would hear them like I would hear completely different and distinct things. And, and hearing you talk about Muso games, uh, you know, you find very distinct things in kind of each series. Of of games and you kind of see them as their own own thing, which is which is super cool. Right, and uh, and even
1: when I can recognize that I prefer one feature in one series versus another, it doesn't mean I don't appreciate them because they right. each have their own unique. They each have their own unique, or or unique is probably too strong of a word. They each have their own twist on the concept, right. and uh, like I said, within a series you can see the evolution of that, because uh, they often commit to a concept within a series, but then they don't pull it over in others. Like, you won't see the the, uh, rescue idea from One Piece, Pirate Warriors, that isn't in... Oh, the... I... now I'm having trouble even thinking of other examples. It's not in *Heroic Legend of Arslan* warriors, right, for right. example. They uh, they all have different things. By the way, I was in jazz band. You were, <laughs> I, yes. So you everything could... everything you just said, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's okay. I, uh, you know, the my coworkers will—they uh, all kind of cover their ears and put their headphones on when, when the jazz conversation jazz conversation starts. Actually, one of the reasons why Kip and I work, I think, are such good friends, and we do this podcast together. He's one of the few people like on the planet that actually likes to listen to my rants about jazz and music in general. Uh, so, um, anyway, uh, one more question for you, and then I think this has, by the way, been just a tremendous conversation. I've learned a lot. I'm sure a lot of people that will listen to this later will learn a lot because even with uh, these newer Muso games coming out, it's still kind of a niche genre. It's still... Uh, it's still kind of a genre that people in the West aren't as familiar with, so they're going to learn a lot from from kind of hearing your insight. But speaking of people that are new to these games, mm-hmm. what would your suggestion be for people new to the genre? Like, hey, Patrick, I heard you, Mister Muso, on the Grid Snap podcast show. Tell me a good Muso game to play. What should I go try?
1: Well, first of all. No one calls me Mr. Musso. I don't even call myself. But (laughs) whatever.
0: That's a shame. I'm going
1: to answer your question. In my world, you're always Mr. Musso. (laughs) I guess I should feel honored. So I'm going to give you the easy answer, and then I'm going to give you my real answer. Okay. So the easy answer for someone who is new to games and wants to try one out is to buy the one based on the property you like. Are you a fan of Berserk? Are you a fan of One Piece? Are you a fan of Dragon Quest? Well, buy that one. Because every one of them that I have played, you can tell that Koei Tecmo, or rather it's the developer Omega Force, they have done their research and produced something that is faithful to the property, and in a few cases, you can tell that they are huge fans of the property. So if you like a particular franchise, you're not going to be let down. Yeah, uh, you're you're not going to... if you're let down, it's not because the game is a poor product. Right. All right. So that's the easy answer. Okay. But now here's my here's my real answer. All right. Because I think I think there's more that people can get from these games. So talking to a couple friends. One works in office. He's a computer kind of guy and the other's a roofer. Okay. All right, so I'm talking to the one guy like computers, yeah, and to the other guy like, how about those shingles? <laughs> and I don't remember what we were talking about, but the roofer tossed out a reference to Guan Yu, Guan Yu, the Chinese warlord, wielder of the Green Dragon Crescent Blade. Nice. I was I was taken aback. Uh, so I'm like, oh, Dynasty Warriors fan. And he says, yep, great games. Awesome. So we look at the computer guy, and we're all like, do you know Guan Yu? And he just goes, yeah, but I preferred Cao Cao. He ruled an empire. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so it turns out, though, the roofer had gotten into the novels after playing the games, and then we all took rounds borrowing and reading. The point I'm getting at is that Dynasty Warriors introduces people to something new. It's a fantastic world, but it's based on real events. I mean, I remember when I played Dynasty Warriors 6, all right? I actually skipped 4 and 5. I went back and tried them later, but I went from 3 to 6. And it's a beautiful game, by the way, maybe not so much now, but at the time it was just beautiful how the characters were designed and animated. Um, Sorry, that's a tangent. (laughs) But point is, Dynasty Warriors 6, it actually had an encyclopedia that tells you about each character. It tells you when they were born. It tells you what battles they fought and who they married, as well as their ultimate end. And (laughs) let, let me tell you, most of these people did not die well. But the point is, it's fascinating. And that's why I think people should start with Dynasty Warriors. It's fun, it opens eyes to a whole new world. Yeah, a lot of it's fiction, but the people are real and their legacy shaped a continent. There's... much you get from a game when it's a property that you already know and you already have an idea what to expect. Diving into something completely new, that's really what Shin Sangoku Musou was, and it still is for people who haven't tried one, so I would say Go for Dynasty Warriors.
0: That's that's a great answer, and actually, it, it reminds me of when I was playing. Even though you've now educated me, and now I know this isn't really a proper Muso game. But when I was playing Sengoku Basara, that really did uh, unlock an interest that I still have in uh, the Sengoku period in Japan, right? Because that game covers that that era. In fact, I think almost all the characters are are pretty much historical. Uh, People from that from that era and even though the game itself has fantastical things in it It does kind of drive you to like look at uh, The the actual history there and that's really for the first time I think since I think I took an Asian civilization class in college. It was really cool, but you forget a lot of that So it really is the first time someone like uh, Nobunaga or Tokugawa Ieyasu or uh, Toyotomi Hideyoshi those people kind of became real to me Uh, through playing games like that and and actually there's not you know there aren't too many games that I think do that 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 potentially educate you that that way
1: that is exactly what I'm talking about
0: super cool well uh, Patrick thank you very much for uh, coming on the show it was an awesome conversation I hope you had fun
1: it has been a delight. I've been a long-time listener. <laughs>
0: right. Yes, long-time listener, first-time caller, uh, all that all that stuff. But, um, but yeah, anyway, let me do the uh, kind of end-of-show bit. So, uh, yeah, thank you, everyone, for listening. Of course, uh, you can track me down at rohogames.com, dot com. And if you look at the blog, you'll see all sorts of articles. There's a documentation thing uh, with, with sort of game design documents that you can look at that I've done Hopefully things of interest. I'm also Rohu Games on Twitter and of course even though actually our first episode of the regular podcast is in the can but it hasn't been posted yet but I'll still tell you to subscribe and like us on iTunes because I will get around to that as soon as Kip finishes drawing the logo uh, for the uh, show thumbnail so all that stuff is coming and again uh, very soon we're going to be talking about Uncharted 4 in the next episode with Kip so, uh, so until next time uh, stay on the grid and keep well hid.